Hello everyone. Hello and welcome to Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. Shortly said that is NARC Troopers is the name of my website where I have a library of resources and I have podcasts and articles and vlogs and blogs and um, all kinds of great information there. So visit NARC Troopers. Remember, NARC stands for Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. And we are collaborating together to uh, achieve wellness, wholeness, and recovery from these very toxic experiences. Today we're going to talk about public enemy number one, which is our growing mental health crisis. Um, it's something I think we all need to think about and we need to name it and then try to figure out what we're going to do about it. Because if each person uh, has some actionable plan about how they want to respond to this growing issue, then I think then uh, that's how change happens. That's how we catalyze a solution and become solutions oriented. So I don't think we should ever just consider ourselves passive and waiting for things to happen to us or around us, we can participate in it and uh, influence it. We can be influencers in that way. So I think, you know, everything it seems around us is unraveling in the world. And I think that, you know, at the, at the heart of it, at the center of it, a lot of it has to do with mental health which is sort of a broad category, but let's just jump in here and talk about that a little bit. The chaos that's unfolding around the globe is the cause of anxiety and cognitive dissonance for even the most level-headed and stable neurotypical person. Imagine what it must look like in times of such danger and uncertainty for those who struggle with mental health conditions. There is quite a bit of despair fear and anger circulating as everyone tries to make sense of what's going on and develop some kind of plan to survive it all. Mental health in America and around the world for that matter is in crisis. There are a number of reasons why it is in such turmoil and failing to provide the care needed for so many who suffer Studies indicate that young people are some of the most adversely affected by the collective trauma of the COVID pandemic, but, you know, that's just part of it. All age groups are challenged to face the bleak realities of failing systems, all kinds of systems, a dying planet, and a rise in violence and conflict. Stigmatized, misdiagnosed, poorly treated, misunderstood, ignored, lack of access, cost prohibitive, generational, dismissed, desynthesized, normalized. These are all things that describe our mental health system. It is broken, like much of our healthcare system is broken. Mental health is an issue that clearly needs attention and remedy, but no one is responding to the growing crisis. In 2019 and 2020, it says 20.78% of adults experienced a mental illness. That is more than 50 million Americans. The vast majority of individuals with a substance 
use disorder in the United States, they are not receiving treatment. Almost 16% of adults had a substance use disorder just in this past year, and 93.5% um, did not receive any form of treatment for this substance abuse um, problem. Millions of adults in the United States experience serious thoughts of suicide and self-harm. The percentage of adults reporting serious thoughts of suicide is 4.8%, and that's more than 12.1 million individuals. Over 1 in 10 young people in the United States experience depression, and that study was done a couple of years ago, and I am quite certain that that number is much higher now. It's just rapidly, exponentially increasing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 10% or higher. Um, it says over 1 in 10 youth in the United States experience depression that is severely impairing their ability to function at school, at work, at home, with family, or in social life, and just in every area. Almost a third, 28.2% of all adults with mental illness reported that they were not able to receive the treatment they needed, and some 42% of adults reported that they were unable to receive necessary care because they couldn't afford it. More than 5.5 million adults, that's 10.8% with a mental illness, are uninsured. And by the way, even if you have insurance, uh, you could have the best insurance. It is near impossible to find a therapist, a mental health provider, somebody who can offer some kind of counseling or treatment or whatever. And if you have a specialized niche area where you need something just for bipolar or just for depressive disorder or just for panic or CPTSD, especially, and let me cue this up, especially finding somebody who has proper, adequate, thorough training and understanding of narcissistic abuse and what recovery looks like following narcissistic abuse. Those numbers are in the one digits, guys. It is so hard to find people who know about that. Um, more than 5.5 million adults have mental illnesses and they're uninsured. And in the United States, there's about 350 individuals for every one mental health provider, like I just said. One for every 350 people. And these days, gosh, I'm thinking everybody I know is in therapy, people I work with, friends that I meet, people out and about, like pretty much all of them. And so, um, out of that 350 for one provider, well, talk about caseload, that's just not happening. Uh, consider this. A silent epidemic is affecting rural America. Stress factors unique to rural life that's out in the country, away from the urban metropolitan areas, include weakening agricultural economy, financial instability, we're all experiencing that, aren't we, with the interest rates and the, um, uh, the cost of everything. Taxes have been doubled in some places. Real estate taxes, if you own a home, you're being priced out because you can't pay the freaking taxes. The cost of living increases are like 
what, 2%, 3%, if you're lucky to even get one. A lot of people are not. A lot of people on fixed incomes and pensions aren't getting any relief. And I know for one, where I live here in here on the West Coast, um, my energy and gas company, uh, they're raising rates 12% starting January 1st of this year, a couple of weeks ago. And they're going to raise it another 7% in a few months down the road. That's like um, almost 20% increase. Uh, I don't know about you, but some people are having $300, $400, $500 gas and electric bills. And I know a lot of people who don't turn on their heat and they just put on lots of layers and, and, and wear their coat around in their house. And, um, you know, it's, this is, it's not good. It's not good. Um, so, uh, let's see, what am I going to talk to you about next? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the people in the rural areas do not have adequate access to care and it's blowing up to epic proportions out in these areas. And, you know, in times of great adversity, that's when people fall prey to things like, oh, let me see, fascism, uh, extreme desperate measures. Uh, the list is pretty endless there and none of it's good. None of it's good. History teaches us that. And we would do well to learn our history so that we can see those patterns, those cyclical uh, patterns that are, um, you know, keep coming around, coming around. It's the same thing. It's like it just happens over and over, over, you know, millennia. And, and then there are, okay, let's talk about the homeless mental health concern. An estimated 30% of the homeless population in the U.S. suffers from some kind of serious mental health issue compared to only 4 or 5% of the, of the general population. So it's huge. They're falling through the cracks. They're not getting the help they need. Random acts of violence. What about that? Mass shootings, uh, using cars for vehicular homicide, domestic violence, murder. Uh, I've, I've heard of two separate cases this year where uh, women were decapitated by their ex-boyfriend or husband or something like out in the, in the streets uh, in, in broad daylight um, with a sword. I mean, my gosh. Child abuse, what about that? And exploitation um, of children, human trafficking, deviant behaviors, perversion, hate crimes and violence, serial killers, fascist extremists, malignant narcissists, sociopaths and psychopaths, uh, positions of power. They're running things. Who's in charge? Look at these people, right? Don't you think there's something wrong with them? And I've heard people say, oh, well, that's okay. They may be a horrible human being and there may be something really wrong with them and maybe they're mentally ill or a psychopath or something, but I really like their policies. Wow, really? You're going to vote for somebody who's like a serial killer, murderer, human trafficker, uh, some kind of weirdo pervert or something. You're going to vote for this person because they're going to lower your taxes a couple of percentage points because they're going to do something for you that you think uh, they're going to do that they're probably not, or because they had some victory on your one single issue that's the only thing that sways your vote, let's say. Hmm, could it be the abortion issue? Could it be what's happening on the Supreme Court? Little victories like that underscore 
and overshadow everything so that you just totally ignore the fact that you're voting for a psychopath. Psychopath. Look it up. Scary stuff. Huh. Okay, so they're in power. And, um, okay, rapists, murderers, and even people who drop rocks on cars on the freeway and kill the drivers or just shoot them and, and, and the kid in their car seat takes a bullet just going down the street. It happens all the time. It's not just one rare event or two rare events. It's become pretty, um, pretty, you know, common that there's road rage and all kinds of crazy, that it's not safe just to drive down the street. You know, it's not safe to go anywhere because there's shootings everywhere. Churches, movie theaters, grocery stores, schools, you name it. No place is safe. Um, so, you know, the, the rise in all of this stuff, like stabbings and sex addiction and pedophilia, compulsive shoplifting or robbery and the smash and grabs and the list goes on and on. These are the signs of the time that we have become desynthesized to and have normalized. It's just part of living in the world today. Like that's just how things are. That's just how things are. No people. No, it should not be how things are. Most of these things are caused by people who need mental health assessment and intervention and they, and followed by long-term monitoring, monitoring, you know, that is not happening. And violence is escalating as a result. And if all of this carnage and chaos is not disconcerting enough, how about this? Newsweek reports 39% of U.S. citizens believe that we are living in the end times. Yeah, the end times, like this is the apocalypse. This is, it's, it's happening. These results come from a Pew Research Center survey of 10,156 adults on the Center's American Trends panel that was conducted in April of 2022. I bet you there's more. I bet you there's more um, than this number who think that it's the end of the world now than there was in 2022, right? A lot of things have come up that are horrible since then. Uh, wars and more pandemics and, um, you know, food insecurity and the list is endless that has gotten worse in the last two years. Um, but in this study, how religion intersects with Americans' views on the environment, um, they, they wrote a thing about that, that people have just given up. The belief in the end times appears to span many religions, with 47% of Christians saying that they think humanity is in the last days. 47% of thousands of people, thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were polled say this is it. The idea that the apocalypse is near is not a mental health issue in most cases. However, mental health professionals have sounded the alarm that the effects of the doomsday scenario on the children in the families who discuss the impending death all over the world, it's alarming. If children are exposed to death talk on a regular basis around the dinner table every night, 
What do you think is going to happen to their child brains and emotions and healthy development as they attempt to process something like that that is just too much for even most adults? Is it, you know, it is not good. And some deem it child abuse to put those ideas that we're all going to be dead soon in the minds of children who feel so hopeless, feel so, such despair, such like, what is the point? I'm never going to be able to even live to grow up. It's just tragic. Um, you know, the, there's lasting harm that it is producing. If an entire culture, country, or continent shares some mass collective mental impairment, what is the cause and what can be done to remedy it? The, well, the causes are too numerous to list. So many things contribute to mental illness, hopelessness, despair, depression, subjugation and helplessness, toxins in the food, water, air and environment, cultural beliefs that are infectious and harmful and rampant, fear and superstition, upbringing and family dynamics, bad scripting and toxic programming, abuse and neglect, substance abuse, social media, oh my gosh, social media, pornography, don't get me started on pornography, crumbling institutions and systems, aren't they all? Haven't you noticed that the quality of life is diminished in the last few years, especially since COVID? Nothing works as efficiently. There's nobody there when you go into stores. Things are closing right and left, going out of business. People are staying at home. They're not going in to work. They're trying to work um, from their from their house, which might not be a bad idea. I like the four-day work week idea too. But, I mean, we're going to have to, what do they say, adapt or die, change or perish. We can't just hold on to the past, the status quo, and think that we're going to ever get back there. I have learned something from a 16-year marriage to a person with narcissistic personality disorder, and that is that, that when they're gone, well, actually, when they're with you, they're sort of gone and checked out anyway, but when they are physically gone, there's no returning to that past because they have this kind of scorched earth policy where they burn every freaking thing to the ground. There's nothing left to go back to. It doesn't exist anymore. And I think we need to wrap our minds around the idea that it's that way in our world today. That past that you fondly remember from the 70s or the 80s or the 90s, that was a great decade in many ways. You know, that the, the past, those good old days, they ain't coming back. We don't have any of the systems in place, the dynamics or the people that have the capability to pull off anything that anywhere closely resembles that. We have a changing climate. We have challenges with water scarcity and dying oceans and melting ice caps and, and war and pestilence and all of these things to the point where that's not going to happen. We're not going to get back to that place. Um, to further exacerbate all of these challenges, many mentally distressed people don't believe that they need help and they refuse to go for intervention or treatment or help. In addition to this problem, there is a lack of trust among the populace at large. 
with corrupt entities who put profit over people. The very institutions that are destined to save us only exploit us. They exploit us. They lie to us. They are inefficient. They uh, are in chaos. They disregard us. They are apathetic to us as humans. They're lacking empathy. And they don't care if we have our basic needs met or not. A case in point, look at how we treat the homeless and how invisible they are. And I'll go a step further and say, look at how we treat the elderly on fixed incomes who are, by the way, getting taxed out of their houses with their little fixed incomes and the rising inflation and all of that. They can't afford to keep their homes. They are living in RVs. They're living in tents. They're 60, 70, 80 years old. You know, what does that say about us? That these people aren't just like slackers or lazy. They've worked jobs for 50 years of their life, paying taxes and contributing to the social fabric of this country. And how are they rewarded for working for 50 years? They're living in a parking lot or in an alley. And they are just, there is no safety net. There is no program in place to protect them. Um, you know, we have missed the mark on treating all of these problems with homelessness, whether it's the elderly or the addicted or the mentally ill. Um, you know, we have become enablers or executioners. Yes. And if you do nothing, what do they say? There's a special place in hell for those who have moral neutrality and who will not do anything, who just sit frozen or paralyzed or apathetic or indifferent or too tied up with their own stuff to pay attention to the suffering of others. There is little compassion or mercy, only judgment and stigma that's attached to all unsavory things like homelessness, addiction, or even mental illness. It's just like physical illness. What's the difference? It's an illness. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be remedied, treated um, with compassion. You know, that's all bad enough that we don't do that. And there's more. The ways to remedy mental illness also present a plethora of problems. Why do countries all over the world seem to move to the extreme right and open the door to fascism during difficult times and financial hardships and things that challenge their identity? Nationalism is often believed to provide a boundary or safety barrier to protect them. It's happened in Europe. They're all moving to that direction. Look, in Italy, they have a, a fascist neo-Nazi kind of leader now. It's the, the you know, my, my, I have, yeah, it's happening all over Europe. It's happening in Germany. It's happening in the Netherlands. That kind of new, uh, close the borders, let's maintain our um, sovereignty and our national um, pride and identity and we can't do that if we're swarmed by hordes of refugees coming from um, all the places that they're coming from right now. So that problem is not just the United States with good old Greg Abbott busting all the immigrants to the big cities and dumping them out to die or freeze or starve or whatever. It's not just us that is having a refugee crisis all over the world. We're having it. We need to know that. So what do we do about that? You know, uh, that, that, that people are choosing 
things that are ultimately going to destroy everything and ruin everything and lead to World War III and worse out of desperation and despair and out of just being so willing to just take any extreme step to try to save themselves, you know? It's like the drowning person that's pushing down other people's heads under the water all the way around them, trying to get their head above air, you know, above the water to gasp a little bit of air. It's like that's what's happening all around us. Um, and none of us are going to make it if we don't help each other. We're all going to be that drowning person pushing other people down so we can stay alive just a little bit longer. Um, you know, we're just trying to survive and thrive once again. And it doesn't look like that's within reach. But, you know, fear is always a terrible impetus for any decision. And it impairs your judgment and it encourages irrational or ill-founded action. Just as there is collective trauma that an entire group of people experience together, um, forms of mental illness that manifest in destructive ways are also something that groups of people experience together. Um, so, faulty programming from, from um, you know, your early years, it just keeps running in the background, I think, like a musical score or a screenplay. You know, it's woven in, baked in, and it's like an integral, intrinsic part of who we become. The consequences are everlasting and often permanent. You know, children from tragic beginnings have never seen healthy, never experienced healthy, can't imagine what healthy looks like and are often destined to repeat the sins of their mothers and fathers. What are we doing right now? We're so focused on the end of the world and how horrible things are. You know, that seems like we're doing that. We're giving children uh, a very narrow view of a hopeless ending for themselves. Why would we do that? You know, we become toxic extensions as we attempt to recreate familiar dynamics so that we can get another chance to change the ending and rewrite our story. That explains why I have spent my lifetime choosing the wrong person who was mentally ill, like my mother, because I'm trying to rewrite history over and over again and save them, save the sick, heal the sick, and I can't do it. And at some point you have to admit you can't do it. And we have to do something else. Have to do something else. The problem is that people that uh, that attract other damaged souls, you know, they get together and then they act out their their tragic scripts together. The predator and the victim and the whole thing is just really sick. You know, if people ever want to stop attracting sick partners, they must first repair themselves and turn inward to parent themselves the best they can and to learn how to be healthy and whole. The mentally impaired move among us and they are wreaking havoc more than ever, ever before. And we are too busy with our own troubles, trying to survive uh, and you know, to witness this agony that's going on around us. And truth be told, they would most likely vehemently deny their illness and refuse help, even if we tried to help them in good faith. 
a common example is with like the schizophrenics who won't, they're, you know, they're diagnosed, they're often offered medications that would keep them grounded in reality and where they could function and everything, but they refuse to take these life-saving prescriptions because they don't like how it makes them feel or they don't like the side effects or the fogginess or the fuzziness or the inertia that sometimes comes with the medications. I get it. It's not perfect solution, but it keeps you on your feet and functioning. The consequences of going off these meds only leads to tragic consequences. It is a common dilemma. And many of these people who are going in places and shooting them up and stuff, they are people who could probably be reasonably sane citizens if they had medications and treatment that was monitored and administered on a regular basis. You know, I just know that we are failing on so many levels and we need to do better. Um, we, need, we need to do better. There was a time when people who were less um, isolated and more invested in their communities and anchors and in their um, communities, like churches, schools, families, we had things to tether us together and to force us to, to be there with each other. We stayed close so that we could help each other. Now everyone is more isolated and they're spread out with institutions that have failed to keep their trust and systems that have failed to save them. And they're just all over the place. People scatter. They don't stay together. They don't have the church. They don't have the nuclear family. They don't have those anchors to ground them and to build a support network. The dystopian landscape, the, uh, you know, of wretchedness and despair will triumph in a disparate world where those who are weak or sick or injured or on their knees and can't get up, where those people are stigmatized and, um, and judged. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They are invisible. Um, and they are counterproductively enabled in different ways. But I think change is coming. Whether we welcome it or not, things are rapidly changing due to climate, pandemics, war, economies, uh, geopolitics, divisiveness, polarization in this country and worldwide, corruption, greed, inequality, food and water insecurity, um, and more. You know, most of what is headed our direction seems like extinction level events that uh, have moved past the tipping point and they're picking up speed as they amplify and as we go. This isn't just about the mentally ill who need real tangible help. This is about how we got here and the ignorance and apathy and arrogance that is going to be the end of us all. We need to stop denying it and excusing it and blaming others and shaming others and escaping it every, any way that we can and anesthetizing it and uh, 
you know, trying to get away from reality and the challenges that are that it brings to our our doorstep. We need to put people ahead of profit and dismantle the machines of destruction that accelerate doom. We need to grow our humanity. Moral imperatives. Yeah, I said it. Moral imperatives. We need to grow that. We need to do better. We need to remember what it is to have ethics and values and standards and moral rectitude. Yeah, moral rectitude. I said that. Mm -hmm. It's a thing. We need to have it. And we have obligations to our fellow humans and to our fellow animal friends. We have obligations to them. We need to change our priorities. And, you know, we need to do it quickly. There is a shortage of time. And there is an abundance of suffering. And so now is the time to act. So today's, <laughs> today's kind of depressing thing about, um, it's like our State of the Union um, podcast here today. There's what, what condition are we in? We're, we're in a pretty abysmal, yucky condition right now. And it's time to change that. Uh, I don't know what your source of strength is to get you through the day, uh, whether it's prayer and, and God and belief in a higher power. Seems less and less people have that strength that that affords them. That, that they fewer people have like religious um, uh, strength and stamina. Uh, maybe you're aware that uh, you know Pluto is moving into the Aquarius, and that's going to catalyze change and transformation and shake things up a little bit. Maybe you are one of those manifest people who say, we're going to draw to ourselves what we have on the inside. What's inside brings, you know, affects <clears throat> the outside world. And to a degree, I think that whole thing is true as we try to vibe with each other. But, you know, anyway, any spin that you put on this, I don't really think that's the important thing. The important thing is that we look at reality and what's going on. We don't get lost in our own suffering because we had impaired, um, what is it called, mate selection. Impaired mate selection. That's a thing. Look it up. Uh, and if you keep picking narcissists and mentally ill people, I did it. <laughs> I did it. And uh, I understand why now. And I guarantee you I'm not going to do it again. Um, I do understand it. And it's important that you understand it too so you can stop. And once we understand the etymology, the root, the, the um, cause of the th ways that we're going off the rails here, then I think that we can come up with solutions and remedies. You know, I want to end with this. Stanford, which is this wonderful um, research, um, higher education, you know Stanford, the reputation that it has. And I uh, have been living almost across the street from Stanford um, until I moved last summer. I lived right there by Stanford. And I would... Um, kind of try to keep tabs on, on the speakers and the lectures and the, and the uh, studies and the research that they were doing. I even got in a long COVID uh, integrated medicine cohort um, that I was accepted into, which was a great honor and greatly appreciated. But anyway, I, um, 
they they did this study that said, is it possible to save the world? <laughs> you can probably look this up and Google it and read about it. And it's been a couple of years ago, but they, they, the answer that they came up with, and these were all the experts, the, it's like a think tank of all the smartest of the smart. They came together and said, absolutely, yes, it is possible. There exists enough money on this earth that if, if it were somehow pooled and, and brought together all, these, all this money for some ridiculous price tag of billions and trillions of dollars, that if it were invested in saving the world and providing clean and safe water for the world's population and food for the world's population and solving the problems with war, whether it's like uh, the Middle East and a two-state solution or whatever, you know, ending terrorism. And, you know, terrorism is a response to hopelessness and we're kind of all getting to that place, right? Where we're feeling pretty hopeless. And um, that's definitely uh, what that is. It is grown. It is birthed out of uh, not having any choices, not having any viable choices. And so, um, and that plants the seeds of, of violence and, um, and terror. So um, I, th I think that, uh, you know, what they said is, yeah, there's enough money and there are concrete, tangible ways to save the world, to make everything peaceful, kumbaya, everybody has enough food, water, shelter, dignity, humanity. We're in these collective communities that care about each other. There's no more crime. There's no more war. Everybody's getting along peacefully and with abundance, abundance and joy and love and all this wonderful stuff that there, there is a way to get, there's a pathway. There are concrete, tangible ways to achieve that, but it comes with such a high price tag. And the people who are the richest of the rich, we know there's no way in H-E double hockey sticks that they're going to invest in something like that. They're too busy trying to go to Mars to escape it all, right? And a lot of them are psychopaths and narcissists and antisocials or combinations of those things, they don't give a flip about you or about anybody. They're in this, you know, in it to win it for themselves. And um, so it looks very unlikely that we're going to be able to have the money to fund this um, Saving the World project, even though, especially with AI and with new um, technologies and stuff that are coming up all of the time, you know, we can, uh, we could do it. So my suggestion is let's um, try to figure out what happened to us and try to figure out what our role in that was so that we can work on ourselves and, and stop thinking about the narcissist and think about how we're going to fix ourselves. And then, and then let's kind of broaden that. And maybe part of fixing ourselves is to try to do something to fix at least some piece of the broken world that we live in uh, to do our small part in whatever way we can. I have, I have discovered that helping others heals me and that through making a difference by doing something um, profound and important and easing the suffering of others is a powerful medicine for me to be healed and whole and together and, and to be um, 
how I need to be to lead a peaceful, joyful, abundant existence. And, and it fuels me and it is food for my soul. So maybe through service to others, you can figure out what that might look like and take some small steps. Volunteer once a week for a couple of hours and see how that feels and let it blossom from there and spread. So that's my message for today. Sorry, it wasn't meant to be a call to action piece today, but I guess it kind of is a call to action because um, I do think um, I think things are pretty dire. And I think that although we need to work on ourselves, we need to broaden that a little bit and work on helping others too. Oh, there you go. There it is in a nutshell right there. Well, let's try to work on healing and helping ourselves and try to figure out how we can do something to contribute to making the rest of the world better and have less suffering too, because suffering is not good. Nope. Don't want that. All right, everybody, much love and let's uh, uh, keep on keeping on. Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators otherwise known as NARC. Troopers, meaning we are soldiers, we are warriors, we put on our combat boots and we get out there, we keep going even when all the stuff around us is knocking us down, we're popping back up just like that Energizer Bunny and we just, we're strong and we are um, resilient, adaptable, faithful, um, and we are alive we're freaking alive, guys and girls and guyettes and others. Uh, we are we're alive, and that's more than these disordered people, like the narcissist and psychopath. They're not, not really by any definition. They are not alive. They have no inner core, no inner landscape, no ego, no self, no identity. They are vacant. They are an absence. But we, my friends, are alive. And so let's spread some of that life energy and life force out there into the world around us because we sure could use some of that. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye.